gathered with people from one town after another journeying to Jesus, he spoke to them in a parable. Sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some seed fell upon the path and was trampled. The birds of the sky ate it up. Some seed fell on rocky ground, and when it grew, it withered for lack of moisture. Some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it. And some seed fell on good soil, and when it grew, it produced a hundredfold. After saying this, he called out, Whoever has ears ought to hear. Then his disciples asked him what the meaning of this parable might be. And he answered, Knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of God has been granted to you, but to the rest they are made known through parables, so that they may look but not see, and hear but not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those on the path are the ones who have heard, but the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts that they may not believe and be saved. Those on rocky ground are the ones who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, but they have no roots. They believe only for a time and fall away in time of temptation. As for the seed that fell among the thorns, they are the ones who have heard, but as they go along, They are choked up by the anxieties and riches and pleasures of life, and they fail to produce mature fruit. But as for the seed that fell on rich soil, they are the ones that, when they have heard the word, embrace it with a generous and a good heart, and bear fruit through perseverance. The Gospel of the Lord. Have a seat. So this is the one passage that when I was teaching, when I still teach preaching, I tell the boys, sit down and shut up. Jesus already gave the homily. There's nothing more to say. This is the only place where Jesus very directly goes through piece by piece and says, this is what the parable means. This is what the parable means. This is what the parable means. So I'm simply going to let the gospel lie and only highlight this one word, perseverance. The reason for that is because the epistle, St. Paul to Timothy, begins right at the end of the passage that is much more familiar to us. I have run the race, I have fought the fight, I charge you, right, to persevere. And so then... He says, Beloved, I charge you before God, who gives life to all things, and before Christ Jesus, 
who gave testimony under Pontius Pilate for the noble confession to keep the commandment without stain or reproach. What is the commandment? Perseverance. That's what he was just talking about. That wouldn't be clear just from the passage that we read. But the commandment that he's charging Timothy to keep, and this makes sense in context, right? Because this is kind of like Paul's, uh, Bishop Paul's first letter to the newly installed Father Timothy. Keep it up. Don't flag in zeal. Don't let the hardships of life or its creature comforts get in the way of what set you here to begin with. Paul says of himself that he's known wealth and he's known want. And so likewise, he charges Timothy, do well when you've got stuff and when you don't, when things are working well and when they're not, in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. Why? Because it's love, ultimately, that binds us till death do us part. Not simply the best of the human love we can dredge up on our own, not simply white-knuckling and willing the good of the other as best as we can, though those are prerequisites. But those will ultimately fail, because we all ultimately fail. We either get scattered or disjointed or choked out. No, the love that binds us even and after death is the love that comes from Christ Jesus himself. It's a gift that he has in view of his unique relationship with the Father and which he imparts to we, his children, by the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is given in the life of grace generally, but preeminently in the sacraments of faith. In baptism, by which we were first washed and received God's Holy Spirit. In confirmation, by which we were sealed with the gift of the same Spirit. 120-odd kids are going to have that happen tomorrow. And, and in marriage, whereby man is yoked to woman and woman to man in order to persevere in a relationship that lasts, yes, to death. I think I've learned more about marriage since the death of my mother than the 35 years before. Because in watching my father's experience of widowhood, He's obviously now a widower. I've seen the impact that this sort of a relationship can genuinely have on another person. Of course, I've seen it in parishioners before, but it's different when it's your own people, right? And dad, dad tells me, well, he doesn't tell me this every day, but he tells me that every day. Every day, I give thanks to God for the gift of your mother and for the 48 years we were able to spend together. Because I would not be able to be single now if I hadn't been married to her for all that time. I wouldn't know how to do it. I wouldn't know how to be myself. Now, at the beginning, it was the other way around. He felt lost and bereft. But, but, but once he'd come to grips with his new state in life, things changed. If I did my job right a year ago, and if you two keep it up to the end like Timothy, then one of you winds up dead and the other one heartbroken. Don't get any ideas. <laughs> when a marriage is successful, 
Death does eventually part us. Occasionally, couples manage to die together, but that's more providence than anything else. But the heartbreak is simply in view of the love experience before. It's like the echo, the reflection of the good which you know now. So dwell not on the heartbreak that may come eventually to one or the other of you, but love so hard now that they can't help but be broken and stunned. Love so much now that no weeds can choke, no birds can scatter, no thief can steal. Love enough now that the words you pronounced a year ago, the words you'll renew again today, the covenant which you made with God and which God made by the joining of you two together will help you to persevere. St. Joseph is, of course, the patron of a good and happy death. And the reason for this is because St. Joseph was attended at his deathbed by the Lord Jesus and the Blessed Virgin Mary. Who could imagine a better way to die than attended by the Lord and his Blessed Mother? Who could imagine a better way to live than to keep one's household and work and perish life and everything else in the company of the Lord and his Blessed Mother? And who could stand a chance against the two of you or anybody else so long as you keep as your first and best commandments, the Lord and his blessed mother. One final thought, and it simply is about the day. So I know this isn't the exact anniversary, but this day is important. And when we have celebrations in the church, they're important. The days are important because we, when we land on special days, we acquire new patrons. Today is, of course, the feast of Padre Pio. Padre Pio is superficially remembered because of the stigmata and because he spent endless hours in the confessional. But the people that knew him, and I know people who knew Padre Pio in life, had nicknames for him, not all of which I can repeat here, but, but which more or less translate to Father Grumpy. Father Grumpy. One time, one of the brothers used one of these nicknames in my presence, and it was slightly stronger than Father Grumpy. And I said, I don't think you're supposed to call a saint that. And he looked at me, and he said, well, you'd be grumpy, too, if you'd walked around with holes in your feet for 50 years. <laughs> the gift that Padre Pio brings to the church, that he brought in life and that he brings now, even after death, is a kind of flat-footed honesty. And as I've watched you two, not just the last year, but the last three and change, that is what sustains you best. You two are at your best when you are flat-footed, wholeheartedly, salt-of-the-earth, Iowa honest with each other. It isn't always easy, and it is often not pretty, but you always wind up the better for it. So whenever you're tempted to hedge or to lie, to avoid a conflict, or to wait till later, say a little prayer to your patron, Padre Pio, who will keep your marriage honest, and after his example and that of the Blessed Mother, help you to persevere to the end 
and beyond.